All right, we are back again for another podcast. Uh, this is the Big Punk Guys podcast. Um, we're in Las Vegas. I'm down here for the day. I got Chris Neville to my left. And today we are lucky enough to have a couple special guests from Phelps Game Calls. We have the one and only Dirk. Oh, hey there. <laughs> Dirk and Corey. And I've not met you before, Corey. Corey, give us, uh, what's your last name? Uh, Paulson. Paulson. Okay. Yeah. Very cool. We're happy to have you guys here. We just got in, huh? Yeah. Flights are good. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Too bad at all. We, we put them right to work. They literally just stepped off the plane, walked in. We're like, hey, let's do a podcast. <laughs> well, our original idea was to go right to the strip and bugle at drunk people. Yeah. But there's some legal stuff. There's all sorts of legal shit, I guess, on the strip to film. You know, they're always ruining it, you know, with all these rules and regulations. Right. It's terrible. I mean, do those folks that wear the hardly nothing and get their picture taken, do they have a permit? The, they got it. Maybe. They have to. That's what I was telling Neville. That was what I was, I was hoping for. I'm like, if we can get some of those to, you know, Google an alcohol, that'd be amazing. Oh, it'd be so fun. Yeah, to do it on Fremont Street, there's mm -hmm. like a permit you have to get, and then do it on, like, Las Vegas Boulevard when you have someone in your video. You have to, like, sign a waiver and all this shit oh. to make sure it's, like, publicly and to, like, promote stuff. Yeah. Some guy dressed as a Roman soldier with yeah. the El Beagle. That's been great. The Transformer guy. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Bumblebee. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This is a hangover guy, like impersonator too. Oh, yeah. yeah. There's all, there's all, all types. The Spider-Man. Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, the baby. A lot of, a lot of naked people. Yeah. yeah. You name it. They yeah. got it down there. So have you been to Vegas before, both of you? I have. Oh, oh yeah. You've done Vegas upright? We've been here. We were here already this year. Yeah, trade show. Second time this yeah. year. Did you do your shop Third. show? It was NABA. Okay. Buying group show. Okay. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. yeah. So you're familiar with Vegas and, and all the yeah. good times. Yeah. Fremont Street is my favorite. Yeah. Oh, it's the best. So, yeah. I don't, you don't have to like walk and like fight crowds as much. You just kind of mill around and try not to fall down. And it's a good time. Yeah. Absolutely. Corey already won money at the airport. Yeah. Oh, he did? Yeah. How much? Uh, 60 bucks. Oh, nice. Yeah. I'm a nice in, about, in about a minute and a half. <laughs> yeah. I did that on, uh, I flew to Denver here not too long ago. Same thing. Just dropped, dropped tenor in there and played it a few times. I think I won 85, 86 bucks. So yeah. sometimes wow. it pays. Yeah. I was That's willing it. to donate 20 bucks. Maybe. The key is to cut it off at that point, right? Just, I have my limits. Just be done. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Right on. You go down tonight and do, do a little more gambling, some blackjack. I don't gamble. No, no, but I might. <laughs> <laughs> I know him. <laughs> I won't. Don't tell my wife. Very good. So give us a rundown real quick. Uh, you guys are nice enough to go. Are you full-time with Phelps, Dirk? You... Yeah, that's my full-time job. Uh, they, okay. they call it work. Right. <laughs> can't beat that, right? Jason still doesn't know what I do. Uh, but he pays me every two weeks. So Cool. So give us a rundown uh, on what, what you do there, both of you. So I'm the uh, marketing manager there. And then I do lots of other stuff, you know, content creation, editing videos, um, sometimes some project management sometimes, you know, um, I take care of, I work with uh, John Gabriel and all of the artwork and our packaging, uh, you know, just try to, try to make sure we get the cool uh, aesthetic look to all of our stuff. Um, and then just every now and then I just, Weird random stuff pops up. Hey, you want to do this? Sure. Right. So you never know. I want to go to Vegas? <laughs> yeah. So kind of do a little bit of everything. Right. Are you in charge of all the memes on you guys' Instagram, Phelps' Instagram? Uh, Jason's pretty good on those. <laughs> oh, my God. Those things crack me up so much. Yeah, the ones lately. Those are all of the brain child of <laughs> oh God, uh, Jason Phelps. They're so hilarious. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I love those. 
Yeah, we look forward to those every year. I mean, they, they, you kind of, it seems like you start to ramp them up, roll them through the summer, you know, early fall, but we love those memes. <laughs> yeah. The yeah. meme game is strong. It's so strong. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I do like social media management there too. Cool. Um, but Phelps, he'll, he'll jump in on that sometimes too, but, uh, which is tough lately. I mean, there's a weird algorithm going on on Instagram right now that's just they don't, been they don't like ass. So they, like, they hate us. They hate us. So for shadow page. Yeah. I mean, when you have nearly 100,000 followers and some of the stuff gets like 6,000 views. Right. And I'm like, wow. No, yeah, yeah. We're, we're having the same exact problem. I think, mm -hmm. I think everyone in the industry has kind of seen that. Not good. Yeah. I think they want to, plus, I think they want you to boost your post. Like, they want money. Yeah. Want to pay for it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They need to play. But Facebook's the same for us. I mean, you get hardly any eyes on Facebook. Whereas, you know, six years ago, it was huge. Yeah. Now it's nothing. Interesting. Is that, so you, you do that? You, you do social media? Yeah. So have you, you learned a lot about that whole world? Yeah. So, okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, I've been doing like Instagram since 2012, I think. Mm -hmm. It's back when it was super easy to get follows and like, you know, it grew organically really well. But man, I feel bad for anybody that's trying to start a new account now because like you say, they're just shadow ban or whatever. They're, you just can't get eyes on you, especially without paying. You have to go back to the old fashioned knocking on doors, do mail, yeah. all sorts of crazy shit. Yeah. Hit the phone. Yeah. yeah. Just crazy. Yeah. Just bugle at people. <laughs> yeah. Magazine ads, billboards, yeah. sandwich boards. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I would love to see the sandwich board. That'd be great. <laughs> so, door to go, door to door. <laughs> yeah. So Corey, what do you what do you do over at Phelps? You have this funnest job is Dirk over here just um, making memes. I, I wouldn't say that. Dirk does a great job of, of making it sound a lot better. He does a lot of the, we work together on a lot of things. Um, title, official titles, I guess that matters sometimes. Um, business manager, um, basically just take care of anything that uh, applies to our business from, uh, we do have an in-house staff that, that builds all our calls, packaging, um, then we have an operations team as well. So that's all the logistics, you know, since we do manufacturers, making sure the products show up on time, you know, we're, uh, you know, uh, paying attention to the bottom line, right? Making right. sure that we're there not we like overextending, which is a huge issue right now with just getting sourcing product, um, things like that. Um, also just, uh, the product development side, Dirk didn't bring that up, but he's a huge part of that too. Yeah. Um, somebody that knows kind of like the pulse of what's going on out there and how we can, you know, make things that are not necessarily just a me too call, but something that actually makes a difference, um, which has always been kind of a Phelps thing. You know, we've been really good about that, um, from the beginning. So, um, so Dirk does that, but I'm mostly, it's just the operation side. You know, you gotta have all the things that come together, right? You, you need to know like, what does this call do and who's going to buy it? And, how many stores can we get it in? You know, all the things yeah. that are really important as far as, you know, making good sales. So the sales side um, comes along with that. I know um, we all kind of wear that hat, but for the most part, you know, I'm beholden to hit some sales numbers, you know, on forecasts and things like that. It gets really nerdy, you know, like behind the scenes, but that's fun. I, I kind of have a background in that. And so we have a lot of fun and that's, you guys, Go Hunt's a great partner for us. So that's one of the reasons why we're here is just everything we can do to help our really good partners and, you know, just really have a good messaging to our, our dealer, our dealers, but also the consumer, the end consumer. Um, we were just talking to all, you know, one of your customer service people and just, you know, they get those calls. I mean, people are 
it, they have a hard time asking questions and new callers. Dirk does a great job of, you know, just really breaking it down so you can understand, but also then you can talk to people that need something a little bit sure. more technical too. That's why we've invited you guys down because Trill and I are terrible. We thought we'd do some content for our audience, but mostly just us. You know, it's it's mostly just, just an in-person, yeah, just an in-person uh, tutorial. That's what yeah. we need right now. We'll, yeah, well, yeah, Dirk, sure. Dirk can do that. You know, You've done it a few times, huh? Once or twice. Yeah, yeah. just a tad. Um, yeah, so that's. I mean, I could go on and on, but yeah, basically anything that has to do with the business side, uh, and there's a lot of it, and then. Uh, with the meat eater also, mm -hmm. we're uh, one of the subsidiaries of meat eaters. Sure. So there's uh, just the overall business side, you know, uh, being on a, with kind of how we run our social, you know, it's just kind of like the creative juices flow more than others at times with, and Dirk can mention that, but like we have to kind of now put things in timelines, like, hey, we have product launches. We're, we're, we're doing our best to follow along and Dirk and I were together just making sure everybody sees that because now we have, you know, bigger marketing. You're, you're growing up. Yeah, a little bit. You can't just go follow us, Peter Pan. So anyway, so yeah, that's not the fun stuff that, that you know, hunting and the content that, that Dirk creates in the fall, but um, it, it definitely helps. Do you guys build all your calls right there in-house? I mean, how, yeah. how does that work? <clears throat> I mean, for the most part, yeah, we do. Um, you know, some of the stuff uh, is a little bit more technical and we're really branching out on some of our new calls, especially mm -hmm. in Turkey. Um, we have some uh, really good Turkey builders that have been doing it for years. So uh, Jason has a really good understanding of what he does well and make sure that bring in people that are, you know, have that same mindset and they're yeah. the high attention to detail and, and want to make, you know, the right things. And then also you're, you're not like trying to be disingenuous. You're like, this sure. is, these people know what they're doing. So um, for the most part we do, we have some, we source out some, some folks that do a lot of the call building, but it's Jason, you know, has that same attention to detail. Mm -hmm. um, I know we want to always say like the big bad, but I mean, even, you know, dirt, um, his wife helps build some of our calls for us too. Like <laughs> nice. she does a great job. And, uh, <laughs> cool. and so, you know, just people that, definitely know what they're doing and they can do all the dirks there. He can test them and make sure everything's coming out the way they are. And if the materials are off or whatever, he can be like, yep, throw that out. You know, we're going with the good stuff. I'm picturing that scene in the elf, you know, where, where the elf, he's, he's, he's testing towards. Dirk tries every Dirk single one of them and puts in the package. Yeah. All right. Ship it so, out. That one sounds good. Those are the really good ones. Yeah. Maverick, good to go. Yeah. Packages. Pink ones, yeah. Pink, I'll pick with those off pink the Pink to the side. Uh, how much do you guys see? I mean, Jason, does he still play? I mean, what, what role does he play now? I mean, I don't know how the, the transition, the sale, and how that all worked out, but what uh, what role does he play? Is he um, still there every day? Dirk? Yeah, well, so I work remote, so. Okay. Uh, but so Corey sees <clears throat> Jason every day. Right. And I think a lot, I think ever since this new transition's happened, Jason has a lot less hair. Now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I thought, I think he thought he was going to be on easy street. Yeah. But I think he's busier than ever, um, you know, whether it's working on new uh, product concepts, you know, he's always on, heading out the R&D on all these new ideas. Um, he has a podcast of his own now, Cutting the Distance. That's right. So, you know, he's always he's busy. grinding on that, getting, you know, new hosts or not hosts, but uh, guests on there. Uh, and then, you know, you have to know what you're talking about. Oh, yeah. So there's sure. a lot of work that goes into that. And then just overall, you know, uh, organization communication with the mothership and yep. and then with us and uh, guy 
he's he's busy as yeah. ever. So. Yeah, every time I've ever you know, had a chance to talk to him, it seems like he's just in between. You know, he's running from one agenda to the next, you know, one meeting to the next. Seems like a busy dude. Nice guy. But he also, you know, he'll dive in and talk to people on social, too. Yeah. People will send questions and he jumps in. We can't, we try to separate it, but he doesn't, do, doesn't pay attention. Right? <laughs> yeah. He he actually does respond a lot on social media, like uh-huh. on uh, on uh, Instagram or whatever. He'll, somebody sends us a uh, uh, DM, then he's usually the guy that'll answer a lot of times. Because mm-hmm. uh, there's a lot of people, he has a, like a lot of people he's already developed a rapport with over mm-hmm. all the years. Mm-hmm. So they ask very specific questions. Hey, Jason, remember that time you were telling me about that LP yeah. unit, yada, yada? And uh, I have another couple, couple more questions. And, he's and like, nope, don't remember I, that. I can't answer that stuff. So <laughs> I'm like, I just leave it unread for him. So come on, Jason, hit us up. So what do you guys have for new calls this year that you guys are excited about? Um, so. We, we're kind of doing a relaunch of our metal bugle tube. Yeah, we had questions um, about that today. Yeah, we did kind of a soft launch last year just because we didn't have all the all the inventory we'd like to, to make it go like huge through the roof, mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> which was a super successful launch. We sold just about every single one we got built last year. Um, so this year we got more uh, inventory units in stock and we're going big again on that. Um, so the metal bugle tube, it's Kind of sounds like a metal bugle too. That's what we were just. It's kind of like weird. a missile. <laughs> yeah, we were literally just walking through the warehouse today and picked one up, and we were like metal bugle tube. And I, I, I mean, I was aware of them last year. I haven't had a chance to use one yet, but you know, by most account, everybody I've talked to loves them. But what's the yeah. what's the story behind it? So we have this buddy, um, Abram Summerfield. He's an engineer. I actually used to work with Abram in my old in my old life at Night Force Optics, mm-hmm. and uh, Abram. And his personal calling was always struggling to hit that super high pitch ringing note you get on your bugle. That seems like elk really respond to that. So he'd messed around a lot with different this and that. And so he made this prototype out of metal. And he, he brought it over to my house. He's like, hey, I want you to look at this. And uh, I'm like, eh, metal too. That kind of seems kind of weird. But when I bugled on, it's like, geez, Louise, about blow the windows out of the house. Hmm. It just hits that super high pitch note and it, it just about makes you go deaf. Oh, it, no. It's very ringing, very, very loud. Is that just from the materials itself, just being metal? It's yeah. not a different shape or anything, is it? Uh, the shape is a little bit different, but no, nothing out of the ordinary. You know, it doesn't look still too, too different. Yeah, it's still a yeah. too. But uh, just the materials, you know, um, it doesn't vibrate as much. So you're sending out more, more, uh, sound waves out the end of it, I guess. Um, but it, it hits a certain hertz. I don't know, all the nerd talk. Uh, Jason could probably tell you. I know Abram could, but there's a certain hertz that this thing allows you to hit with much ease, with a lot more ease than, than before with a plastic tube. And uh, Jason had a, and I had been working on an external diaphragm help call mouthpiece thing for quite a while, for a couple, three years. And we were just getting that wrapped up and we're like, hey, we should couple that with the metal tube. And I'd been messing around with it. I was like, yeah, it works really good with that metal tube. So we worked hard, got everything to made up and, and go. And the external uh, bugle, it's called the Easy, easy Bugle, Easy Bugler. So you don't, you don't have to have a mouth read, right? It's an external. It's built in. Yeah, it's, okay. got, a, it's got a mouth read built in. Basically, the guts out of your normal mm-hmm. amp diaphragm without the tape, it snaps into place. And then you, when you blow it, you, you play it with your lip, your lower lip, um, and then you blow on it and you can make bugles, chuckles, grunts, 
can even do lip balls on it. That's that, that really yeah, yeah. nasty, gravelly type sound bugle. Um, but it's been a game changer for a lot of people. Um, this this one guy uh, sent us a, uh, an email to our customer service last year. It said he'd, uh, he'd enjoyed elk hunting his whole life. He got tongue cancer and had to have his tongue removed. And he couldn't use a diaphragm anymore. Hmm. And he wasn't satisfied with the other external bugles on the market. And he's like, well, I'll give this one a try. Got it. Loved it. Calling a bull for his dad. Just like, man, I can live again. Yeah, so I, I can live again now. So mm-hmm. man, uh, cool. he was, so, you know, that was, that was really what we were after with that PC bugler mouthpiece. It's just like, we're f- trying to fix a problem, mm-hmm. something that's going to sound good, be authentic and easy to use. And yeah. I think we hit a home run. We get that question a lot, you know, like what options are available if you can't use a mouth read? Because it just seems like some people either, you know, myself included, sometimes I'm just too lazy to try, you know, I'm yeah. sure I could do it if I put a lot more, and I could do it, but I just can't do it to, you know, to the level that, that other people can. But, um, you know, we, we get asked that a lot, you know, like what's available out there. So it's cool that there's an option for those of us that either are too lazy or just can't you know, yeah. use a mouth read. I do a lot of elk calling education throughout the year and uh, like Two guys out of 10 will have a, a palette mm-hmm. that's just too darn narrow to use a normal diaphragm. Hmm. And uh, and then you'll get some that just, they they put a diaphragm in their mouth and immediately, they start gagging. They just, they cannot find <laughs> on the diaphragm. Have, you, got, have you gotten peeped on before? Almost. <laughs> Almost. Yeah. And uh, so this is, you know, it's a fix for that, you know. Or the guys that are just like, yeah, I don't really want to, you know, put in the effort. You gotta, and, and I will say with this easy bugler, you gotta put in sure. work, work with it. But the the learning curve is way way better than mm-hmm. with a normal diaphragm. So cool, very cool. Any cow calls? You guys, I use your external cow call a lot. That little easy estrus. That's yeah. like probably yeah. one of my very favorite calls of all time. Mm-hmm. I and mean, I'll never go out in the elk woods without one of those. Yeah. Um, really anything nice. else in that realm? External cow calls. I mean, just a button up that the easy you can swap out that mouthpiece and just put a, a flared one and you can mm, just use gotcha. diaphragms with it gotcha. as well so on that metal tube on the metal cool. tube yeah so that's another great feature of that um well we have the mini there you we go. have this mini amp too so our normal amp diaphragm mm-hmm. our amp diaphragm uh, has a has a kind of a, a metal dome on top of it mm-hmm. so we shrunk that whole diaphragm we shrunk the tape we shrunk the shrunk the frame it's it's tiny so for again those folks who have the neural palette or maybe kids, kids. and ladies yeah uh, they can put it in there without having to cut it down uh, cool you know you can cut down a regular um diaphragm mm-hmm. but you still have that same size frame and if you've got a small mouth then it still doesn't fit that good so that new mini amp is a is a huge huge hit though for those folks too so so I, I don't know, I mean, I know, I've known you dirt for a while, kind of loosely. Um, yeah. I, I don't know you super well. Corey, this is the first time we've met, but yep. I mean, how, what's your history in elk hunting? Like, how did you, you know, did you grow up in elk country? Did you always hunt elk? And especially, uh, like specifically, I guess, just say, how did you get involved in calling elk? So when I was a kid, mm-hmm. I wanted to go hunt everything. I wanted to I want to kill everything that. Where, where'd you grow up? Idaho, north north okay. central Idaho. Okay. This little town called Weipe, okay. and that's where <laughs> Lewis and Clark met the Nez Perce Indians. Excuse me, <laughs> Whippy? Whippy? Yeah. Come okay, here. here goes all the jokes. Right? <laughs> Being from Weipe, yeah. you take a lot of flack. A lot of funny little jokes that go with it. You know, small time re- town rivalries and stuff. Yeah. Like, especially that, but and it's a funny name. But uh, yeah, that's the town where Lewis and Clark 
uh, met the Nez Perce Indians uh, cool. and were saved. You know, they came across the Bitterroot Mountains, nearly starved to death. They had to eat their saddles, <laughs> ate their dogs, ate the horses. <laughs> they were on death's door when they landed there by Weipe and come out of the mountains. And the, the Indians, they seen them and uh, they were like, should we kill him? Should we help him? <laughs> Should we save him? And they kind of, it was funny, you read it, you read an excerpt from like the, the journal that said they described them as uh, having fish eyes, the white men, mm -hmm. having fish eyes and upside down, upside down faces because they had beards and like oh, blue eyes. Yeah. Right. So they'd never seen people like yeah, that before. Sure. But this lady who was in the tribe or was living with the tribe, Sacagawea, she had seen them, white men before, and she's like, no. They're good because she'd been rescued from another right. rival tribe or something by some white folks. And uh, she said, no, no, don't kill them. They're good. And so they're like, okay. So they saved them and, and hmm. helped them build boats and get back on their feet and send them down towards the Columbia River, right? Oh. But uh, anyway, that's that's yeah, where I grew that's up, where you grew up. right there. And uh, it's elk country, right? Sure. At one time, uh, the 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 that part of Idaho, the elk herd would probably rival anywhere in the in the United States. Hmm. It was it was that good. Today, not so good. Ever since, you know, I don't want to get on that down you that rabbit hole. But you hunted it out. Let's call them all in. We tagged them all. Yeah. 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 There's not lots of my fault. Yeah, they're got them all. Go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so you know, since wolves have been yeah. around, it's kind of gone downhill. But um, anyway, I. I hunted deer everything and I, I wanted to shoot a bear and i had oh. been seeing these bear tracks around a pond and I was 14 years old and I said asked my dad I said hey drop me off at this pond an opening day of bear season and I'm gonna go out there and sit and wait September first wait for this bear to come in right at right at the crack of dawn he's got to be coming in there to get a drink okay so the dad gets me about a mile from that pond drops me off so i walk in the dark sit out next to this tree in the dark wait 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 just as just as the sun starts breaking hear a bunch of popping and cracking i'm like oh man here we go <laughs> here comes that bear yeah. I'm ready with my rifle how old were you 14 okay 14. i'm waiting and out walks elk what? to my much to my chagrin yeah. and surprise like what elk what? I was totally expecting a bear. Yeah, bummed out. <laughs> yeah, which is funny because today, today, Dirk would be like, "There's no way you're gonna kill a bear there." Yeah, then, you know, doing that, right? Yeah. But anyway, so these elk come out and get in the pond. There's just a little raghorn bowl, and they get in the pond, splash around, drink, and mess around. <clears throat> They're like 20 yards away, and then they walk off. And all I can think is. It's opening day of bow season, too. Oh, if I had a bow, I could kill one of those things. Well, I had a bow, but I didn't have no arrows with okay. broadheads. So my dad, he comes and picks me up around noon. I'm like, okay, you got to take me to town. We're going to buy arrows. We're gonna, you got to have broadheads. He's like, what are you talking about? So I tell him, he's like, you can't kill an elk with a bow and arrow. <laughs> I'm like, yes, you can. I've seen people do it. I, I've seen pictures. And he's like, you can't kill an elk with a bow and arrow. Yes, yes, you can. Did he's your like, dad hunt? He did. He did, okay. But not with a bow, yeah, right. rifle. Sure. And he's like, yeah, I am damn bow hunters. Damn, you know, right. He was one of those guys. So I didn't get a bow that year. And I was just, I was so mad about it. So the following summer, I worked for farmers putting up hay, you know, doing all sorts of, any kind of work I could get 
uh, to do, I would do it so I could buy a bow. So I bought a bow, bought all the arrows, bought the camo, everything. Bought all the calls. Right. And back then, of course, there's no internet. Sure. He had books and he had some VHS VHS tapes. So Larry Jones, those kind of guys, they were popular. I had this uh, teacher at school had gave me a, a VHS video with like seven hours of elk hunting. So I watched that all the time. Got me some calls. I'm built blown. I, at this point in my life, I'd never even heard an elk bugle before. Yeah. So I'm just doing what they're doing on the videos. I'm like, okay, it kind of sounds the same. And uh, that fall, well, my dad's like, you're pretty serious about this. I'm like, I'm killing elk. Yeah. He's like, all right, well, if you kill a bull elk with that bow, I'll give you all your money back you spent for all that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Knowing it was going to be a safe bet. So on the third day of season, I didn't even have a driver's license yet. Had my mom drive me out. <laughs> Thanks, mom. Yeah. I seen some, some elk over in this field. I'm like, all right, keep going. Pull up here on the hill. And, all right, um, you stay here, mom. I'm going to go over and call this bull and shoot it. She's like, okay. You know, this is mindset, you know, the, the chances are going to be, well, sure. really? Right. So I get over there and start calling this bullet. And he's, man, he's just loving the call, just eating them up. Pretty soon here he comes. Are you cow calling or bugling? Both. Or, okay, Both. cool. What, what like your, the calls? Do you remember what calls they were? What kind? Yeah. Yeah, they were built by Lohman. Hmm. Yeah, I don't think they're in business anymore. Lohman, L-O-H-M-A-N. Were they similar to like what we have now? Yeah, is? yeah it's a, it was just a diaphragm, a flat frame, didn't have the little dome right. or anything. And then the tube was like a vacuum cleaner hose, yep. but it had like a little wooden dowel mm -hmm. with a hole drilled in it. And uh, man, I love that thing. It, it sounded really good. <laughs> in fact, my, my cousin has one of those. I'm like, hey man, can I get one of those? He's like, no, I got it from my grandpa. I'm like, I'll buy it from you. Yeah. He's like, no, no, it's grandpa's. A few years ago when I was hunting Wyoming, we found one. Just down oh. when somebody left, just like you're saying, wooden dowel at the end, mm -hmm. looks just like a vacuum cleaner house. So, yeah. yeah. I've seen a few of them floating around. Yeah. I love that thing. It's interesting. You had, you had total call, like you just went out as a 13-year-old kid, saw some elk, and you're like, yeah. I'm just going to go call at them. Yeah. Did yeah. you know what to do? I mean, based on what well, you watched in the from VHS? what I watched, okay. yeah. And this was the third day of season. So day one, day two, I'd already had a little bit of experience mm -hmm. like, interacting with the elk and kind of seen what was working and what didn't. So in my mind... I basically thought, okay, what would an elk do? I'm going to role play as an elk yeah. and behave like an elk. Okay, oh, they kind of bugle back and forth. They get really close and fight. Well, I need to do the same thing. I need to get him talking, get really close and try to fight him. And then when he comes out, I'll shoot and work like a charm. Hmm. He walked right in like 15 yards. He shot him. Waylaid him. As a, thir a 13 year old? Fif I was 15. Oh, 15 yeah. at that time. 15. Okay. That was your first bowl. First bowl, yeah. Wow. Nice. Yeah. It's crazy. And what was it? A nice five by nice six. Nice five, five by six. Oh, yeah. wow. So I shot him, listened to him run off. Okay, I gotta go tell my mom. Yeah. <laughs> so she wasn't too far away. She was probably, I don't know, four or five hundred yards down the road. I said, did you, hear, did you hear that? She's like, yeah, I heard some bugling. I'm like, she said, I couldn't tell the difference between you or the elk. Oh, I don't know if she was being nice or yeah. not. Probably not. <laughs> anyway, I'm like, mom, I, I killed it. So she went back to town, got my dad. And where this thing died, it was flat as pancake and small dog and skin trails and stuff around there. And uh, she's like, I said, yeah, just get the pick. We'll just use the come along and load mm -hmm. this thing up. So she goes back home. We haven't been gone long, mm -hmm. probably an hour. And, uh, 
And uh, she goes, hey, uh, get your come along and your 500 bucks. And he's like, what? Yeah, get your come along and 500 yes. bucks. Kill the bull. Yeah, and he's like, what? No, no way. <laughs> so all that just from that one, that first encounter where you were hunting bears and yeah. and sitting there and saw some elk come in. Yep. It just lit, lit a fire in you. Yeah, and I'm like, man, that's cool. You could call things in with it. You yeah. know, right? Call elk in there, take bugle back, and it's like the coolest thing I've ever done. So. Did you have friends that were hunting that were doing that kind of thing too? I, or I did. Kind of, kind of doing it on your own. I, my best friend uh, at the time, which is my brother-in-law now. Okay. But uh, him and I did this together. Well, he couldn't go that day because he got grounded for mouthing off to his old man or something. <laughs> so he couldn't go that day, and uh, so he was so pissed that yeah. he didn't go on the day I shot one. So. Did you feel like the calling came naturally to you, or did you have to practice a shit ton? I practiced a lot, but I felt like I, it came. I was kind of natural, naturally good at it. Because it feels like I have buddies like they'll put one in, yeah. like have never done it before, and they're just like, "I'm like, damn!" Like it just comes natural them mm-hmm. to like make calls and make sounds like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I see that a lot. You know, like I say to the teaching those different folks throughout the year how to use the calls, and there's some guys that just like, bam, like, they pick it right up, and other people it's like. You know, they, they can't really do anything with their tongue. So yeah. it's just weird. And they're like so frustrating, you know, to them. Oh, yeah, sure. Like, why is, why won't my tongue work right? That's chill there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, sure, you sound like shit today. <laughs> I'm calling. <laughs> you wake up. Get some nice buddies up I'll call. I'll be like, I'm trying. Right? <laughs> That's why the easy estrus is so great. I can yeah. always make that thing work. For yeah. sure. 60% of the time, it works every time. Yeah, for sure. So did you always, you just kept elk hunting after that? Yeah. Just, just kept going? Yep. You got into competitive elk calling yep. at some point? Yep. Yep. I had a buddy who, uh, he wanted me to go. He's like, see, him him, him, and his family, they were really big into it. Mm-hmm. And he's like, hey, you should go. And I'm like, man. He's like, yeah, you should go. It's fun. I'm like, all right. So I went. And I competed a few, uh, I don't know, two or three years and then. I won a uh, world title, mm-hmm. um, the Rocky Mountain Oak Foundation calling contest. And after that, I won a few more, but uh, um, I really wasn't really looking for the accolades. Sure. I was kind of looking for the cool prizes because, you know, they always right. have like, a new <laughs> old scope or yeah. whatever, a new bow or all this stuff. And I was like, yeah, man, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd like to have those prizes. So that was kind of, yeah. for those tournaments, were you uh, like practicing? Like, That's what I was just gonna ask. Are, are you like, this is All the right, one today, question I've been today dying. I got to make these sounds. Like, was there like a routine that you were doing? Yeah. So you would do your routine back then. It was all freestyle. So they said they'd give you a minute to make as many bugles as you want and a minute to do as many cow calls as you want. And then they I think they shrink, shrunk it down to like 30 seconds for cow calls, but a minute for, for bull calls. But now it's completely structured way different. They say, give us a lip ball bugle and then every contestant has to make that same oh. and then then you do have a little bit of freestyle time to to blow what do whatever you want to showcase your talent but uh, but yeah practicing beforehand yeah it was yeah, i practiced a lot before i'd go you know probably the month before i, I get the calls out start practicing back then you didn't maybe you didn't have cell phones or nothing to record yourself yeah. so get out the vhs <laughs> way back then yeah. huh? Well, I think it was like the little small cassette, but yeah, uh, I hate yeah, stand in front of it, bugle, bugle, and then play it back. I'm like, oh man, that sucks. Or why am I doing it like that? 
But that's really good. And that's one tip I always give folks is, man, if you're kind of struggling, you should always record yourself because a lot of times seeing your, what you're doing with your face as you're calling, hmm. you can really change change the calling. You know, it's like, oh, man, why am I making that, doing this weird thing with my lips or my jaw or whatever? And you start cleaning up those facial expressions of your call mm-hmm. and it'll make a huge amount of difference. So. Yeah, that's one question I've been dying to ask. So, like, I want to hear about you, Corey, too. Just kind of your involvement in mm-hmm. upcoming. But I, want, I wanted to ask Dirk: Is how much how much time do you recommend people practice? I mean, how how much time do you practice? Do you still practice? Like leading up to elk season this summer, do you still practice? I, practice. I, I don't. I don't. I don't <laughs> practice anymore. But I do blow calls throughout the year because we're always working on new projects, new calls, and stuff. It's like, oh, test this, test that. But as far as like bona fide practicing, I don't really do it. Um, it's kind of like riding a bicycle. I've got to that point. It's like, yeah, I know right where to put it in and mm-hmm. how, to, how hard to blow and stuff now. But um, but for for new people or people who want to improve, yeah, I, I recommend practice every day. But you don't have to invest an hour every day. Yeah. You know, on your commute to work, you know, t- five, 10, 15 minutes a day. Maybe you don't want to practice in the car. But as soon as you come home, walk in the garage, grab your calls before you go in the house and make the rest of the family mad, stir everything up. <laughs> the morning's good too. Yeah, yeah that's so. a really great time. Yeah, wake up. Do you find it helpful to, like when people practice, do you find it helpful to, to listen to like a, you know, a CD or? You know? Yeah, that's what I was gonna ask. Like, what are you measuring? Yeah, your practice on. That's what I'm saying. Because I can sit in my vehicle and I can make elk noises and I can be like, "Man, I am so damn good. I am really coming to range." But then, you know, it may not be, you know, you know, good. How, how do you how do you deal with that? I mean, what would you recommend? I, you know, a lot of people will watch YouTube videos, right? Uh-huh. Um, and I always tell them, like, okay, well, you can watch your favorite YouTube caller, or there's a lot of like just like elk videos of elk being elk in like different national parks and stuff. Sure. And I'm like, listen to that, watch that. Um, it's hard to watch that when you're driving down the road, but you could push play and then start driving and you listen to the noise. But what I recommend is you hear the, when the bull bugles, you bugle and you try to, you try to replicate, replicate exactly what he's doing. And, uh, man, it'll help you with your game. You know, as a kid, I had that watching videos and then trying to copycat what the videos were doing. Um, that helped a lot, but I will say, and until I actually called to real elk, I'm like, I always thought I'm like, there's something missing here. And then I called to real elk. I'm like, oh man, I can, I can actually hear it. Like what I'm not, the noises I'm not making. So then I worked and worked and worked during season, trying to kind of catch up and, and make those same sounds. And I thought, I think that was pretty, pretty helpful for me to grow in my, in my calling ability. Cool. Phelps Spotify channel. Just elk calls. Just, just elk yeah. calls. Oh, there, yeah. yeah. there you go. There you go. That's nice. All, all, just, all, all just listen to elk sounds the whole way to your church. There's those nuggets yeah. that yes. just come out of the podcast. That'd be amazing. Yeah, fine. Listen. <laughs> so, Corey, you elk hunter? Absolutely. Yeah. How, how long? I mean, you grow up elk I didn't have such a super sweet story that the Dirk had, but um, I think it's uh, mine's like really similar to almost everybody's, right? You, you kind of, you know, hunting and then, uh, you uh, realize that it's as much as hard as archery is that it's easier in September. Mm-hmm. And you go from that rifle progression. I don't, I rifle hunted my dad and Washington doesn't have the, the long season uh, for rifles. So opportunities are pretty small access land. And then uh, 
I think we were better campers than we were hunters, you know, um, growing up and, and uh, having a good time and just getting the family out and, uh, and doing those sort of things. But um, yeah, I just, you know, I had an older brother that uh, got into the archery thing and, you know, had success. And it's like, when you know people that have success, you're like, okay, I can do this too. And then, you know, the competitive brother, you know, pushing each other, you know, in, in a really good way. Um, and so, yeah, just, just started off that way and, and uh, you know, really wanted to get into the calling. I mean, I think we can all relate to the Primos videos mm -hmm. and, oh, and yeah. how that all comes together and seeing that kind of that perfect Yep. elk scenario right i mean we think we've all been in those moments whether it happened or not but just being around them and close and interacting is is so um i don't know that's a kind of like a, a an accomplishment in a day you know some days i'll come back and man i had the best day hunting nothing died though you know mm -hmm. and, and it was still super fun and you just want to i don't know dirk and i both want everybody to have those experiences and and knowing you know like <clears throat> elaborate on you know watching elk make sounds like there's really no such thing as a perfect sound. You know, I mean, I've heard some really weird sounds and, and just having, I think you just got to try, you know, like, don't be afraid to fail. I mean, it, you could do everything right and it still could fail. Um, and just, just trying to explain to somebody, you right. <laughs> Speaking of failure, man down. <laughs> oh no. Watch out. Who's next? So you said you've heard some really weird sounds. I was yeah. going to say, yeah. I have too. You know, you hunt yeah. with that Oh, there you go. Shit going. <laughs> <laughs> this, this yes. What is that? <laughs> what the hell? Yeah, no, I think that all those things matter. Um, just getting out there and and, and trying, and mm -hmm. uh, you'll never know what it is. And then dirt that that other element too. If you do get lucky enough to be around elk, you know, just mimicking them—that's just a simple way to go. And if you can, you know, train yourself to be able to duplicate those, you're going to be in really good opportunity to to make something happen. And uh, and, you know, you know, there's no 100% guarantees. We we talk about that a lot. A lot of guys think that there is a uh, like a linear path. Like it's just like do X. Um, this is this is a result that's going to happen. And we we don't necessarily talk like that when people call us. And yeah, we we sell products. We also sell like tactics mm -hmm. um, and how you know to get to that point. And um, we just hired a, a customer service person, and, and that's going to be part of our training, right? It's like hey. You know, when someone calls, like you're, you're not necessarily you gotta like listen to what they're asking for, but also you know, give them some insight as to like how to make it work. You know, whether it's a setup or you know a scenario in your head that you can you know go and what, what you know, not necessarily if they're talking to you like an elk is saying exactly what they're meaning, but you can get an idea and then make a good assumptions of what right. to say next and, and working through those progressions. So as far as me personally, I mean. I've had some success, you know, early on. I, I mean, I didn't kill like a nice branch antler bull and, and until 2012, um, but I had a lot of like opportunities, you know, that you know killed. I killed a lot of cows. Um, yeah, that's one thing that I explained to a lot of guys too is like you just you know, get out there and, and you know and try and just notch your tag. You yeah, know, for and, sure. And being used to being close to elk, um, that's a that's such a simple thing. Like, and it's really hard because everybody sees the success, right? I mean, you can relate to that. You know, they expect you to to, uh, you know, have instant success or to kill, it's gotta be big or whatever, it's a failure, but that's not really how it all works. Um, in general, not everybody kills a five by six and a 15. Let's just be honest. <laughs> I'm lucky. I'm lucky that you Yeah. And that, that's why he's in Vegas. So. In that regard, I mean, I think some of the fun is telling you, I mean, I grew up in Utah and really the only opportunity we had for elk um, on the, on the regular is a, either, a, it's an either sex, you know, spike or cow. Yeah, spike hunts. Yeah. And, 
reality is those are some of the funnest hunts I've been on. Absolutely. I mean, because when you're out there, there's no pressure. I mean, I don't have to call in the herd bull. You know, I'm not yeah. trying to size anything up. Any cow or spike that comes in is getting it, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And, and that was a ton of fun. So I, I love that type It's of probably on those hunts, too. You're learning just as much, you're, if not more, like yeah, your behavior and what elk are doing, then you can take that. Yeah, pile a, pile a few up right? yeah, before, you, sure. before you dive right in. Yeah, we, we uh, you know, have really limited opportunities in, in Washington. You know, our, our, our trees hunt in September is only 13 days. Um, so there's not a lot, and it can be like in a weird spot of the month, you know, not always the best 13 days, you know, and then weather and other hunters and things like that. So it really cuts that time down quite a bit. But um, just hunting stories, probably like one of the best stories was when my wife got her bull was, you know, and there's nothing like that, you know, hunting, number one, hunting with a spouse mm -hmm. and two, have, and having it be successful right. um, is pretty, is pretty awesome. I mean, I think there's always that the, the bigger stories and we've seen some pretty awesome uh, uh mounts here um but at, at the same time like those little ones really like burn a hole and especially somebody's first there's only one first mm -hmm. and being part of that and um and we did we called in this this smallest raghorn three by four you've ever seen in your life uh, but legable in western washington um nonetheless and uh she just just, I just got to be a spectator and cool. uh, I think I cow called like a thousand times. I mean, <laughs> um, I, I, you know, it just seemed to work. So I kept doing it and, um, didn't have a game plan going into that, but, uh, she, you know, it was uh, ice cold and he, he, he got within so, so close to us. You could hear him chewing, you know, yeah, you awesome. know, and, and it was just, it was one of those moments that you just, you know, I, I could have tried to shoot it myself, but it, I, this wasn't going to happen that day. It was, it was her hunt and, and she did everything right. And I owed a, her first first fall and um the, the best part about that was the day before i took her on this like death march you know like those ones that like i didn't even want to be there you know but yeah. we were there and, and she voiced her her uh, opinion of how, how bad of a decision that was but we found the elk right after that and then came in the next day and, and she ended up getting that bull so awesome um, it's it's it puts into perspective of the what elk hunting really is mm -hmm. and most of the time it sucks and then there's those little moments that, that pay off and, and yeah we talk about that quite a bit yeah, I've always said that. I mean, you, you're out bow hunting, you just never think, like, this is impossible. You have day after day after day, you know, maybe you're backpack hunting, I've done it with Neville, and I just think, this is impossible. This thing we were trying to do is not going to happen. <laughs> and then you get the right bull in the right moment, and it just clicks, and it's that quick, and it happens. Just it's, be in there. Yeah, yeah. there's real magic in that. It's super cool. Yeah. Well, cool. That's, That's a little bit, just a little bit of the background but yeah not the the same as as dirk but you know his experience you know we all get to kind of learn from right. you know those scenarios that happen all the time um he hasn't really given me like expert lessons yet we're you're still we're still trying to figure that out i <laughs> uh, know we need the playbook yeah, the playbook. yeah. playbook. how to go this last year <laughs> can you actually understand what elk are saying you know like oh yeah this guy this elk one he's thinking this or he's saying this right now no, not really but i i when they maybe call a certain way, uh, I kind of play off the uh, the temperature or the attitude of the bull. And uh, <clears throat> when they start making some certain type of calls, I don't know what they're saying, but they're mad. <laughs> they sound super mad. It's like, okay, this is going to happen. This is good. This is good. Keep doing that to make sure he stays mad, right? Um, but, yeah, there's lots of different um, takes on elk hunting and what elk are saying and stuff. And sometimes they got it down to it. Like it well, he's saying this, you're saying that. I'm not saying they're right or wrong. Uh, I just play a little bit different. I kind of just talk, call it the attitude of the elk. And kind of, 
play it from there. So what's your strategy? Let's say you're just going out, haven't heard an elk yet. Do you have like, all right, I'm going to do this, do this, do this. You're doing the same thing till you hear an elk? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, cover ground. Yeah. Lots and lots of ground. And if I spend a day in a drainage and there's no bugles, I don't go back there. <clears throat> now, if there's a bunch of fresh sign and they're not talking, I might go back there, only, but only after I've already checked out plan B, plan C, and so on and so forth. So I try not to hunt the same ground twice in, this, in two days in a row, unless, let's say, I did find a ton of elk in there, and it's like, man, it was a melee in there yesterday. We didn't blow it up. Let's go back. Mm-hmm. You know, I'll definitely go back in there. But um, So I'm not a big, like, bivy-style hunter. Um, I like to do day trips mm-hmm. because that way I, I don't overcommit. Check, the, check out the area, hunt it. If it's great, I'll stick around. If not, I'm on to the next spot. And I think sometimes people get kind of caught in, in that rut of like, man, they, they love this spot. It's like, oh, it's so beautiful. There's got to be elk here. There's tracks. They're going to talk one of these days. And they may, it's really easy to, to burn three days oh. in a spot where you're never going to hear an elk bugle. Boy, howdy, don't I know that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You just described my whole, yeah, my last season in Haunted Idaho, same thing, found some bulls, you know, good bulls hanging out together, and, you know, I just kept thinking, oh, they're going to get going, they're going to get going, they're going to get going. Just never did. I mean, I hunted them, you know, I, I kind of ended up trying to hunt them like a mule deer, you yeah. know, hoping they'd yep. feed out into a meadow that I was sitting on, or they just never, they just never got going, so, you know, but I know other parts of the unit, same unit I was hunting, you know, there were bulls that were blowing up with cows, so. Yeah. Good advice. It's weird. You can drive 50 miles mm-hmm. and it's chaos. Yep. But right where you're at, it's just ghost town. Yeah. Yeah. I was seeing, you know, I saw a bull. It's probably a 300 inch six point hanging out with a real nice mature five by six. Just the two of them on September 22nd. Just weird. Just the two of them hanging out together. And I was seeing a few cows here and there. And I just kept thinking, surely one of those cows will cycle, you know, and they'll get rolling. But they never did. Mm-hmm. And But just like you're saying, I wasted, I probably hunted there five days, six yeah. days. You know, just trying to hope, hoping it would work. So I get that for sure. <laughs> so you go into these spots, are you just located where you're going then? So, for instance, I'll go to the, as I'm hiking the train, I'm like, okay, uh, I'm going to call it here. So I'll do kind of just like a long, high-pitched locator bugle. But before I do that, I'll cow call a little bit. Two or three cow calls, super quiet, just in case there's a bull, like, super close. Mm-hmm. And then I'll do two or three more a little louder. That way it gets it way out there. Um, if I don't hear nothing after a couple, three minutes, then I'll rip a big bugle. Let that sit two or three minutes, a couple more cow calls, wait. Then I rip a bigger bugle, like a big full bugle with maybe three or four chuckles or grunts on hand. And then I kind of wait and listen. And a few more cow calls, wait and listen. And then before I walk again, I'll do this big, nasty lip ball just a bit the nastiest sound of lip ball and a bunch of grunts afterwards it just sounds like godzilla just broke through yep. and i'm waiting for that and sometimes i won't hear nothing but sometimes at that last that last one so it gets up for whatever reason it may be a five point you know there's a lot of people say oh never try to bugle like a big bull because you'll scare them away mm-hmm. I was just telling you that. Like, I was we're sitting here talking. Like, I was like, Joe, do you think we bugle too angry? Like, we just got like big bulls. And just, was no, I was like, scared. me, definitely not. You, you do seem pretty angry. Maybe you do bugle too angry. 
like if I did that big nasty bugle right here, you'd be like, oh wow, dude, tone it down. You're gonna scare the hell out of everything. But if you walk over there 100 yards, it's not that big and nasty compared to what a real elk is. Like, mm. you know, a real pissed off five point sounds much bigger. So anyway, if I don't hear nothing after those three, three bugles, and I'll give this five, 10 minutes mm -hmm. in one spot. If I don't hear nothing, I'm on to the next spot. Now I may walk a quarter mile, I may walk 200 yards depending on terrain features, right? Yep. If I'm up on top of a ridge, which is where I'd like to be, um, I may, especially if it's a narrow ridge, I'll bugle both sides. I'll kind of zigzag my way back and forth side to side, pitching down into each little crevasse, into every little draw, every little backside of a ridge because um, your bugles won't travel across and behind ridges very well. Mm -hmm. if, they do, if they do hear you, you may not be able to hear them. So, by just picking apart your terrain, it's like, well, it doesn't make sense to, to bugle again until, you know, a quarter mile. I can see I've covered everything right here. But the next little terrain feature I want to bugle into is a quarter mile away. Or maybe, like I say, 200 yards. So I may wipe 100 yards, 200 yards, and call again. I've had it where I, I couldn't hear a bull bugle unless I was standing in this exact spot. If I went 50 yards that way, I couldn't hear him. If I went, just got lucky to stand there and, and mm -hmm. I heard it. And then when I went off down in the after him, I couldn't hear him again. And my buddy stayed up and I hiked back out. He's like, did you get him? I'm like, no. He's like, I heard you bugling and him, you and him bugling back and forth the whole time. I said, I didn't hear him once. Wow. So terrain features are really weird. Yeah. Um, and I kind of picked this up too last year when we were hound hunting for bears. Mm -hmm. So we got GPS collars on these hounds, right? You yeah. turn them loose and of course they're, they're barking they're like crazy. And uh, pretty soon, you can't hear them. And it's like, those things are 200 yards away right now. Right. Yeah, they're not that far. But the, all of a sudden, they're gone. Like, you can't hear them barking mm -hmm. anymore. And that that note carries a long ways, you know. Uh, elk bugle probably carries a little better, of course. But uh, so I think a lot of people get frustrated when they're trying to locate elk. They'll go out there and like, ah, I don't know if I'm real confident with my calling. And they'll do some calling. They don't hear anything like oh, shoot this to I, I must work. I must suck. Yeah. I'm gonna put it away, just hike around glass or whatever. But you have to really trust the process. And even for me, you know, I'm a proficient caller, but I may call all day long. We may put in a 10, 12 mile loop hiking and not hear a single elk all day. That's that's not uncommon, right? Mm -hmm. So every day is not like what you see on YouTube. We, yeah. we crunch it down into it into a that's the highlights into yeah. a, a highlight reel to where you can just kind of you know see sure. what happened kind of but there's a lot of dead time and a lot of frustration you know you'll go two or three days sometimes that hearing a bowl but uh but when you're in them it's it, it can be really good and some sometimes you call them in and sometimes you don't <laughs> you know they get a lot of guys they say you know i'll give you a scenario the elk did this i did that man what should i have done different and uh and Every scenario is so different. Mm -hmm. um, I've had some very similar ones happen, you know, over the years. I'm like, I did the one thing one time and it worked. And the next time I was like, oh, this is like that one other time. And I did the one thing and nothing, it didn't really work. You, you just never know because the animal's got its own free will and its own disposition and already has, probably has a plan for the day. Mm -hmm. I'm going to follow these cows up on the hill, lay down, yep. take a nap, and then go eat again tonight. And you're just kind of trying to break your way into that, pull him away. So mm -hmm. he may not be game for it. Or, man, he may be super defensive. You just never know. 
So if you hear a bull, a bull let's say you hear a bull bugle off, he's off in the distance, and you need an initial reaction, kind of head towards that bull, get the wind in your favor, mm -hmm. and, and just head that direction. Mm -hmm. I, I try to get three, at least three really good bugles out of him, pinpoint, where it pinpoint. Okay. And also, I feel like if bull bugles at least three times really good, then he's shows enough interest where if I walk all over the way, all the way over there, he's not just going to clam up on me when I get there. Are He'll you calling to him the whole way? Like no. You head towards him or you shut up? As soon as I get that, as soon as I get him made, I'll, uh, I'll shut up and I'll just beat feet over there mm -hmm. until I get, <clears throat> I'll either, I'll look, I'll, honestly, I'll look at my, uh, my mapping device mm -hmm. on my on my phone and be like okay satellite imagery oh there's a little glade over there sounds like he's by it there's some dark timber i think he's in that little knoll I'll look at the i'll look at the satellite imagery and I'll also look at the the topo layer it's like oh yeah there's a little terrain feature there i'll bet he's right there i'll make a mark and then just head that way and then when i get close like 200 yards or mm -hmm. less preferably even like 100 yards when i start getting close enough for like you start feeling like I think I should jump in. Like, I better just stop. Right. Then I'll stop, and then I start looking for shooting lanes. Start, you know, really, <clears throat> really. I'll be assessing the wind the whole way there, but I'll really start assessing the wind, trying to figure out where I'm going to set up on this, and then then I'll start making a call. Before I ever make a call, I want to make sure I'm standing in the right spot in case he just comes boiling in. Then I'll be prepared. I'll be I'll be concealed enough to where I won't just get busted. I don't want, I don't want to stand in front of that glade, right in the middle of that glade. Right? I don't want to want to have some cover behind me. But uh, so once everything's good, then I'll start calling real quietly. Those couple of quiet cow calls again, uh, and a little bit louder. But I really want to have him vocalize first before I bugle at him. Mm -hmm. I want him to bugle to these cow calls. Mm -hmm. I think one of the issues I have consistently is I'll hear a bull bugle. Or I'll bugle to a bull, a bull will bugle back. I'll get a few going. It's just like you. I'm thinking, um, I found out where I think he's at. I'm going to head that direction. Uh, it, it, during that trip from you know point A to point B to where I think I need to get set up, I fall in love with the idea of hearing that bull bugle again. Oh, yeah. And and I'm like, oh, I just want to hear him bugle one more time. If I can just hear him bugle, I'll know exactly where he's at, you know? So, like, I'll keep calling, you know? And I... It, I think sometimes I push elk away potentially, or I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know exactly what they're thinking, but I, I do. I fall in love with that, like, oh, I'm going to beagle again. I'm going to beagle again. I just want to hear it, you know? Mm -hmm. and it seems like a lot of the times in that scenario, um, you know, unless the bull's really fired up, he'll just dummy up. Like, he'll yep. just shut. Yep. And I'll never hear it again. So it's, it's interesting to know. I mean, I guess you have to exercise some self-control, right? Like get to a point to where you actually think you're in a position to, you know, maybe make a play on that bull. Yep. Yep. Definitely. And I've done that before a lot. Um, and especially in my earlier days, like a bugle my whole way there. Yeah. That's right. Every time he'd answer, I'm just trucking over there. He'd answer. I'd answer. Yeah. And then once I get to that certain point, he'll either clam up mm -hmm. or the next time you hear him, he's on the next direction. Yeah. He's and then you get close and he's on the next direction. And then you got a foot base. And a lot of times, you know, especially when I was a young buck, it's like, all right, cool, we're going to do this. So yeah. you just keep on going. And eventually, if you can push them far enough and hard enough, a lot of times they'll stop and want to fight and call them in. But, mm -hmm. but it's a lot easier to just shut up, get close, like 100 yards if you can, and then start, start in slow and just get him to come, uh, to vocalize. And uh, at that point, especially, I'm really hoping he's, he's in his bedding area at this point. 
right? I'm hoping yeah. that he's done moving for the day. It's not like nine o'clock in the morning. I'm hoping it's like middle of the day, to 12 o'clock. I call it midday madness. Sure. Right? Those bowls have been laying around. He's ready to get up. He's ready. He's got one thing on his mind. You know, he's checking his ladies mm -hmm. and then you get close. It's almost like kind of like, I always say it's kind of like, uh, if you got a crackhead on the sidewalk outside your house, right? And he's out there making a bunch Let's of say you're in Seattle. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> if you're where Corey lives, that's yeah, not about right. right. Yeah. Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> We're not correct. Yeah, anyway. <laughs> you want to stop him at the sidewalk. You don't want him in your in your yard. You don't want him coming through your front door, right? You're going to stop him right there and say, hey, get the hell out of here. I'm, I want to do the same effect with the bull, right? I want to get close enough to where when he finally bugles, I'm going to bugle, but I'm going to be right there. I want him to, I wanted him to be like, Oh, I'm a threat. Mm -hmm. We're not leaving. I'm going to just stop him right at this. I'm going to stop him at the sidewalk. He's going to run out here and either wet my ass or scare me off or something. Right. Yeah. When you start with those cow calls, when you're in close, I mean, do you, do you kind of just throw those cow calls out there and just test him out see what he's into i mean if maybe he's going to come in just to a cow call and do you kind of let him bugle and then amplify it with a bugle yourself or do you ever just like let the cow call the, the cow call do its thing i've kind of done the cow call do its thing before mm -hmm. and the problem with that for me a lot of time has been they get a little bit of sus right they're like oh there's a cow over there hmm I'm going to walk over here and kind of dip low and I'm going to come down here and get the wind and check her out mm -hmm. and then come up and then make sure there's some other bulls over there. But I'm going to go down here and get below her and smell her, you know, downwind and then kind of move up and then push her back up towards where the rest of the cows are at. And I found that they come in a lot more on pins and needles if I'm just cow calling to where if whenever he bugles, I just hammer him with a nasty challenge bugle. Mm -hmm. They get super defensive, like they'll like drop their defenses, like, oh, it's go time, it's fight. Um, so Yeah, that's that's good good tip. Good good stuff. Yeah. I'm ready to get a little bit. What do you so obviously like you call a lot, what do you say to like now that you hear a lot of people saying like these new age elk, you know, they're getting call shy. It's because people like us are out there calling too much and it's educating the elk. These millennial bulls, they've seen it all. Do you believe yeah. in that? Obviously I believe not. in that. Yeah, there's a, there's definitely a level of uh, truth to that. Um, I feel like the better your calls sound, the more um, luck you're going to have. Um, 2020 in Idaho, for instance, uh, camera, my, cameraman Dusty and I, we were off down in the crap hole away from the road, down off this nasty stuff. And we were going back and forth this bowl. And it was he was coming. And all of a sudden, we heard this little flutey, tooty flutey bugle up on the hill. <laughs> what do you call that? Doug Flutie. Okay, <laughs> so making sure we're talking about the same person. Yeah. And that bull shut up. Hmm. He didn't quit bugling. And then the bull, the, the dude, he blew his call two or three more times. Hit his, hit his hooch mom a couple mm -hmm. times. Nothing. So, they, so you're saying they do, they can tell like if it's a, oh, yeah. a shitty call. They can tell if it's a shitty call, yeah. And then I waited 30 minutes. I didn't, after the last time I heard that guy call, and I, I called, bam, game on again. Hmm. So it's, it's realistic. You know, it, what we will say, you don't have to sound perfect to call an elk, but I will say it helps to sound authentic. Yeah. So what's authentic? 
authentic doesn't mean that you have the best contest view in the world. Um, but maybe you sound, you know, you're putting a lot of emotion into it. You're not blowing that call just like those three notes over and over. You're, it maybe sounds like a scalded hog or something when you blow your tube, but sometimes that works great. Um, my brother and I first started bow hunting together, then uh, he sucked bad. <laughs> <laughs> he hates it when he tells it so much. It sounds like he would sound like he sound like you stomped on a rabbit and then kicked a chihuahua. That's, that's what his bugle and chuck was But for whatever reason, man, it would make bulls mad. Huh. They were just like, oh, they, yeah, they're like, everybody wants to pick on the dummy, I guess, right? Mm -hmm. So they would come right in. But I think it was the intensity that he, he called with, you know, um, that really set him apart. But like you say, I've heard some pretty nasty sounding elk. It's like, is that an elk or what? Yeah. Or is that a jackass or, you know, like mm -hmm. a donkey yeah. over there yeah. um, making a weird noise? So. Yeah, so it might be like a strategy for not super proficient with your old call. And like, you know it as you're going out there, like maybe not to call a shit ton because you might be scared in the elk. Right. And right. once you kind of get better, work into it, you actually sound more like an elk. Mm -hmm. Call more. Yep. Or mix it up. Yeah. I mean, don't just think it has to be that two or three note bugle, you know, try the other sounds, you know, first that don't think, cause I mean, there's so many different aspects. Like if you, you we, we think like, Dirt would say it's over here, but if, if you were an elk, an elk doesn't necessarily like walk in a straight line. Mm -hmm. You know, they like mill around, they kind of go back. Yeah. I mean, if you've had a chance to just observe that, and it, it just takes a lot longer than you think it should because we're very like, oh, get to the top of the mountain, get to the ridge, you know, and you're going that fast path there, A to B, where an elk is very yeah, not, yeah, they're just not in the same mindset that we are. They're, Mm -hmm. smelling stuff looking at stuff yeah, know, every time i think like oh i got a beat on where they're headed yeah you know, nope we're, yeah. we're going somewhere else so yeah they can definitely meet under it's nice to be reinforced though and hear those beatings for sure that oh, feels man. so good like every time you hear it you're like, okay, okay. I'm, I'm like that crack addict i know i, I, know, I, know. <laughs> I want to hear it <laughs> we're all reformed no crack addicts i want to hear that bugle yeah, yeah. i like it what do you say to i mean i hear a lot of talk and i'm probably part of uh part of that team, you know, that might say that, like, if you want to kill a really big bull, a herd bull, um, you know, maybe they can't be called in. I mean, my own personal success, I've had a lot more success not calling a lot at all. And a lot of it's just because I'm not as proficient as it should be with a call. I'd probably feel a lot more confident and, and probably have done better had I put more practice into it. But a lot of the success I've had is, is that mid, midday madness. But a lot of it's just been, you know, the bulls have been fired up. I've trailed them and trailed them and trailed them to a point to where they're kind of slowed up for their bed. And I've maybe thrown out a cow call or one simple bugle and that bull was, you know, like, oh, I'm just headed to bed or I'm just getting up out of bed. I'm going to go back and check that out. But I mean, what do you say to, to people that say you can't kill a herd bull, you can't call a herd bull in with a, you know, with a bugle or a cow call? Right. Well, first off, I'll probably say the guys that spot stock and don't call it all are probably going to kill the biggest bulls mm. all the time. Um, just because, I don't know, those guys are that are successful at it, they're just good hunters. Yeah, those guys that are getting dang good at it. Really good mm -hmm. hunters. Um, and they've got that craft. They know what to do. Um, so I think they'll probably, I, overall, I think those guys will probably kill bigger bulls, mm -hmm. but 
fewer encounters. I would, fewer I would encounters, say for sure. And maybe not as much fun adrenaline, mm -hmm. but I do know, you know when you get snuck in on something, it, it is a pretty intense, like adrenaline yeah. uh, feeling to it, but different than calling. But uh, yeah, I, the, as far as calling in herd bulls, yeah, it's definitely doable. We've called in uh, several over over the years. Um, to me, for me, or other guys, and um, for instance, in 2020, um, everybody has advice when you go to New Mexico elk hunting, right? <laughs> oh, when, I hope so. when you go to New Mexico, what you want to do? Put your bugles away and only cow call. Yeah. And then there's the, there's the guys that say, well, if you're gonna cow call, just use an open read cow call. They love it. <laughs> other guys are saying, don't call at all. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, what I found in New Mexico is all the advice where people say always is always wrong. Right? <laughs> yeah. It's elk hunting, right? You, you just never know. You just need to learn to adapt. But what I will say is um, 2020, we, we could see this big bull walking across its hillside. He had one cow and I was cow calling, cow calling him. He kind of bugled and not really look our way. He was walking along with that cow and he's about ready to walk out of her life. And I hit him with the biggest, nastiest bugle I could muster. And he just stopped dead in his tracks. He was probably a couple hundred yards across this big ravine. Stopped dead in his tracks, turned around and just stared at us. Hmm. And I hit him with another one and he just cut loose. And here he came. Huh. Left his cow, yeah. came all the way across there on a beeline, came all the way up there. And the way the sun was and the way we're set up on this kind of, kind of the crown of the top of the hill there, you probably know this, you've probably seen it. Um, a lot of times bulls will come in just below that crown yep. and th that way they can peek up and see what's up there, but never exposing yourself. Yep. And for me to stand in the right spot to get a shot, it would have been completely exposed out in the bright sun. So I'm like, oh, I, I'm gonna risk it. I'm gonna stand right here in this, this little shady spot behind this juniper and uh, just hope he takes a little, little bit higher line. Well, he did and he came in right below there, right? And there was a bunch of crap in the way and I couldn't shoot through it, but giant bull. Hmm. Well, giant for that trip. Sure. He was no real true giant. But anyway, he came up there, looked around, didn't see no elk, boom, gone. But he kept bugling. So we lit in right after him. I just and I doubled my efforts. I bugled so much, I literally got a migraine headache within that 30 minutes. So we charged across that ravine. He went across, topped over the other side. As soon as we topped up on that side, we put Jason in front. I kept on just hammering with this bugle and uh, all of a sudden I could still him, hear him bugle, but and then I heard a different bull bugle like right there. I'm like, oh, there's a different bull. Hmm. All of a sudden this other bull comes in, a bigger one. Right. Whack, he shoots out. Heard bull like a 330. Right? Sure. And so it, you, you can't call him in. Yeah. But I will say you have to catch him on the right day sometimes. Mm -hmm. Some days you can do whatever you want until the cow come home. They're not going to come in. But if you catch them on the right day, you're there on the right day. Yeah. Definitely can call them. Just situational. Yeah. Yeah. It just, just yep. depends on the day and the bull and mm -hmm. how he's feeling. We'd been messing with those bulls for a couple of days before that mm -hmm. and had, you know, chased them around. But whatever we did that day, I think we just completely just put away the cow calls. Yeah. And just started hammering them with big bugles. And that's, that's what did it. Do you guys like hunting as far as dates? I mean, early early season, preseason, first part of September, middle of September, you know, end of September. What's your what's your go-to? What's your favorite? Do you adapt your techniques, your calling techniques, depending on 
you know, the time of, of September you're out there? Um, I kind of like the further north I go, the later in the season I like to hunt. Okay. The further south I like to go, um, as far as the, like the northwestern states, you know, like Idaho, Montana, Wyoming. Um, I like, so like South Idaho, uh, Wyoming, some of Montana, maybe that earlier part of the season, maybe the second week of September. Mm -hmm. And uh, later in the season, like the North Idaho, I'm gonna go the last week of September. Um, New Mexico, we were down, we've hunted that second season mm -hmm. the last couple of years. Uh, there's been a lot of bugling, but I haven't hunted the first season, so I don't know what to compare it to down there. It may be great. So right. I know Jason hunted last year, the first season down there, and they had a fantastic a bunch of calling so as far as calling goes you, you pretty much use the same method same method same playbook if it's september you're you're just kind of going out cotton yep. and, and sticking with the playbook yep interesting yep well, i got a couple of tags this year if you're just you know you're bored I'm sure oh, you're yeah. Bored. yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Asked, uh, hey, and then all the time yeah. hey can you come call for me? <laughs> hey, you call for me? <laughs> well when corey's not saying that you know yeah. everybody else says. <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah i bet that happens a lot get called in for favors. <laughs> yeah. What's your go-to call setup? You're the Maverick guy, actually. Maverick. That's yeah. my favorite. Diaphragm. Yeah, I love that call. Me too. Uh, when I when I helped Phelps design that thing, that I was super selfish. I'm like, I'm only building this for me. I, I wanted to be able to do all the stuff that I love the best, you know. And he built me, I don't know, like a hundred diaphragms with all these different thicknesses of latex, different stretches of latex, and I got it narrowed down to that that thickness of latex that the Mavericks built on, but then there was all these different colors of that latex, and the black latex it performed differently than the the natural latex did, and then the green latex performed differently than all those others. And that green at that right stretch, man, it would just do everything I could want it to do. I could do all sorts. I had all these little different bugles that I would have a hard time with Brand X or whatever. I couldn't get them to do it perfectly every time and this thing could just every time was just flawless I'm like oh this is it yeah. I don't know if anybody's gonna buy this thing or not but I don't care I mean, <laughs> at least I got what I like right and uh so and it's been our, our top seller yeah. so they buy it for sure Corey is an, an objective opinion what's your favorite call oh, I mean man. you get to use all of them yeah that's the thing that uh I think I I use all of them that's the um i have probably two that are my go-to i like the black ant mm -hmm. um that's a uh i tend to push people that for beginners it's really easy to make sounds that's the one i use to call my wife's bull in with uh cow sound wise and then for bugles i like the pitch black too that's a that works really well for me um i do like to throw some love to the smith call it's one of our signature series it's a it's a purple call um uh it's it's i would say it's a little more on the advanced side most people don't use that call um, but uh, mostly because when we first came out, it was a it was a double latex, so people tend to have a gear to really blow really hard to get sounds out of it. We've redesigned it since came out with it, and now I think people tried it once and then they didn't mm -hmm. like it. And now they're not going to try it again. But that's another good call um, that works really well, especially if you want mature cow calls. Mm -hmm. That thing will make like the richest, fullest tone like mature cow call you've ever heard. It's like really good. Now to bugle with it, it takes a set of gorilla lungs yeah, to make know, that thing rip. It's, yeah, it's I think that, I don't know if I have gorilla lungs, but maybe, you know, it's just one of those things that I feel like I can, I don't have to, I, I don't try to finesse it. I'm not trying to do a lot of things with, it's just, it's just, I'm giving it my all. I don't, I don't 
It's a, basically a workhorse. Yeah, I think so. And, and it does, the latex holds up really well. You get a lot of use out of it. Um, people uh, think that some folks think that our calls should hold up for season after season or whatnot. And so, you you know, that it, it does last. And the same with our Pitch Black series, they, they do, they're really durable too. So um, yeah, those were kind of my three, so I like the, the, the Ant Black and the, the the purple, it's a Smith call, and then our pitch black, it's, it's yellow with black latex. So really, really great calls. Dirk, do you take any other calls with you besides the Maverick? Just the Maverick. Just the Maverick. Just the Maverick. <laughs> Maverick. Just the Maverick. <laughs> It'll solve all your calls. Did you use the dog ran away? Maverick. Maverick. Yeah. <laughs> wife left. You've never thrown one of Jason's pink calls in just to give it a oh, go. Oh, no. wow. No? No, man. I blow too hard. Yeah. I blow too is that hard. what it is? Yeah, yeah. They're a little lighter latex. They do, yeah. And uh, so I overblow them. I mean, it's a good call, but. For me, the way how hard I blow, whenever, especially when I call on bulls, I just get stupid. Like I don't try to finesse anything, mm -hmm. and I I would blow out that call. But um, yeah, same here. Interesting. How I many, mean, how many diaphragm calls do you guys make? I think there's eleven. Different say types. eleven. Yeah, not including the minis that we added. Yeah. And then there's um, build a whole bunch of flat ones too. And I don't yeah, know. There's nine. I'm always like, why do we even build flat frame um, yeah, calls anymore? Nobody blows think, those. But we sell you guys it. Buy it. Boat one of those. Yeah. The flat ones just doesn't have the. Yeah, things like they little amp up. Yeah, yeah. 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 They, they are. They're a little yeah. bit. They're a little more tricky. Yeah. Uh, they, as far as like placement, you have to be very specific where you put it in your mouth, and you have to blow it differently than you do the others. But uh, some guys just have maybe a really flat roof mouth uh, where they can't accept that dome. You know, it digs in too much. Or maybe they're just like, you know, old school. They, that's what they learned on and mm -hmm. they're not, you know, if it's not broke, don't fix it, right? They, yeah. they just want to go with what they know. You guys probably get a lot of calls, customers wondering like, okay, I'm a, I'm a newbie, brand new, never blew a call before. I mean, what's your, what's your guidance to help somebody that's brand new, never used a read? Just as far as uh, like which ones to use or just start? Yeah, just, just, yeah. just, I mean, tomorrow I think we're going to do some more stuff on how you get started sure. with it, but um, as, as far as... Yeah, calls. I mean, what calls do you recommend to a brand new, you know, caller? Yeah, that's uh, definitely the number one question. So yeah. we have kind of like three go-to. We have the, the gray and the black and the, and the green. Um, those are our go-tos as far as really being, you just want people to, to start making sounds. Mm -hmm. And it's just not, we're not worried about what the sound is necessarily, but just making those sounds and then learning how that progression, right? Low to high, high to low, kind of working through that progression to get sounds and then putting that time we talked about the time like what is a decent amount of time i mean if, if you're doing the 10 minutes driving in the garage after work or, or whatever you have time for you know start with that be realistic it's going to take just a minute but once you have, if i get a caller that you know let's say they're, they're from the turkey world right they're coming out west and they want to they want to hunt and they want a good start but they they're familiar with the turkey diaphragms and so they know to make how to make sounds. They they can they're familiar sure. with it in their mouth. So that's a really good starting point. We get a lot of calls from those guys, and that's now you're at that point. But the difference with turkey is you know you could get away with a little bit more movement. You're you're not tech, you know you're not trying to make a very like specific sound as far as um, making specific sounds. But I mean you're you're keeping in one spot and you're doing high to low and you're 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 emoting necessarily making putting some emotion to it feel too. Um, and so just getting to those points and being realistic, like, hey, hey, you're making sound now. And then now watch the videos, learn from elk, and then try and do it like being repeatable, pull it out of your mouth. 
you know, oh, have it full of slobber, you know, give yourself, you know, a chance and then also have a good call care, right? You can't just, you leave it on your dash. It's another thing too. Um, it's going to deteriorate the sun. Yeah. All those Especially things. Especially out in Vegas. <laughs> oh, yeah. It'll be, 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 be tight. Yeah. yeah, I think, I mean, and then you talk about it too, externals, right? Mm -hmm. that, that's a really good go-to um, call for guys that are, um, you know, just, they might not have the time. You know, to to put into it, or or even the, um, you know, just the the effort, right? They just wanted something simple. I can make sounds. There's no real learning curve there, so that's a really good starting point to be able to you know go out in the woods and, and have a good you know some confidence. Um, maybe maybe it's a ref hunter that isn't going to necessarily work during the rut as mm -hmm. much, but they want to have some maybe stop something, you know, get that last look, um, and you can do that with a good external call. Do you ever use an easy estrus? Yeah, you, I do. You, you do take one with you? I do. Uh, yep. I have one in my little call pouch on the side there. He's got his own. Uh, his own easy yeah, it's called, called the Double D. Oh, nice. Dirk Durup. The Mini X. So, yeah. And I, I say, you know, for me, this has been my experience with external uh, reads. Um, they work really well 10% of the time. The rest of the time they work fine, but <laughs> they, work, they, they don't, they don't, I mean, what? So 90% of the time they don't work any better than right. a normal diaphragm. Okay. But like on those, there's that 10% of the time where <laughs> I've been calling to a bull with a diaphragm and he's just, you know, kind of replying just half, halfway, half ass. And I'll hit him with that external. And I don't know if I sound like Betty Lou from last year or what, but they just fire up. They like it. They like it. And they just, they, they're coming, right? Yeah. I wish that was 50-50, like 50% 50 of the time. It was just like a game changer. But but from my experience, it's about 10%. But I do know, I, I talk to a lot of guys, um, and they have a, a lot more luck a lot more often, like having it kind of sway the, the odds in their favor by blowing an open read. So mm -hmm. um, I never discounted. I would, my brother, it's funny, my brother to this day, he hunted with me last year. And, I pull it out and I can just see his eyes roll. I can just see the eye roll because he <laughs> thinks it sounds, they, they don't sound like it. They sound ridiculous, right? right? And they, they're elky, but uh, but I'll, I'll, I'll get to blowing on that thing. And I'll, I can just see him like, <laughs> but when the bull starts like yeah. piping off really, you know, picking up the pace a little bit, he's just like, what? Uh, <laughs> so yeah, it's definitely another tool in the toolbox. So I will use one of those and a Maverick. I have a bad habit of like leaving out calls all over the woods. Oh I leave one left a, I think I left an easy estrus in Colorado last time. Oh, we I, I always and... have to bring like three. Yeah. Everybody should buy at least three of them. One time we lost one in Wyoming. Yeah. Elk hunting. I left the bugle. bugle tube across this awful canyon that we're going oh, back to. I think and he, we had, I, for some reason I brought a water bottle to bring it now. It's just like a water bottle. From, uh, Maverick. Maverick. Glacier rain. One of those water bottles. Yeah. We just cut it in half. He's just bugling out. <laughs> we almost killed the bull that night out of a water bottle for, for a bugle too. Uh, it worked. It was close. It sounded weird, but it, was it sounded really weird. But it did work for what we had. Yeah, yeah, we did get a bull fired up. He was just right there before dark. Dang it. Yeah. I, I think I watched that video. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. this has been around for a minute, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we, we almost we almost called that bull in. I mean, he, he got real hot. I don't know if it was 
don't know. He must have been really hurting <laughs> for company. So I, was being, I was being authentic. Yeah, exactly. Just being authentic. I was really putting effort in. I was blown on that thing so hard. You had to. Had to. Well, awesome. We appreciate you guys coming down. Yeah. Um, we've got a whole the full day for you tomorrow yeah, as well. Put put you back to work. Yeah. I think we're gonna go grab some dinner if you guys are around. Yeah. Go grab absolutely. Some absolutely. Yeah. Sounds great. But we we appreciate it. Yeah. yeah, thanks for yeah, having thanks us. For having yeah. It was fun, man. Hanging out. It's yeah. getting a little hot in here. So yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, yeah. it's authentic. We got the authentic <laughs> yeah, uh, right. the heat from the tent and the, the campfire smell. So that's good. That's it. September can't get here soon enough. That's right. Yeah. Well, thanks for listening. If you guys got questions, drop them in the comments below. Um, or you can hit Dirk up directly, I'm sure. Yeah. You get, you get a fair, fair amount of those. You, get real you quick. can find me on social, the yeah. Bugler. Yeah, absolutely. The Bugler one. Or, um, yep. or I mean, if you want to ask, uh, you want to talk talk calling, you can email me. Um, it's Dirk, D-I-R-K, at phelpsgamecalls.com. Nice. And then info at phelpsgamecalls, too. If you so. want to complain, yeah. send him a <laughs> customer for complaint. Hey, info yeah. at phelpsgamecalls. You know, the, the irony of all that is, like, we we hardly get any complaints. I mean, it, it, very few. Yeah. I mean, it, it, we, we're super lucky. I mean, people really uh, love our calls. We, we have really awesome, you know, customers. So, I mean, it's a... All the products you can make. I mean, uh, no calls and just how well our calls work. We're super mm -hmm. lucky when it comes to that. You do. You guys have a great brand. You have a yeah, great, absolutely. great thing going. You know, you make great calls. So, oh. uh, highly recommend them. We we love it. Cool. Hopefully, everybody picks a bunch of calls because um, they don't work unless you get them. That's right, Dirk. <laughs> Starting right. practice yeah. now. Yep. Yeah. Now's a great time. Absolutely. Yes. September check real quick. For sure. We'll, we'll close out with that. That's great. All right. Thanks, guys. Thank you.